My guest today on the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast is Deborah Russell. Deborah is an old friend of mine, and she's also a master platinum partner coach for the Anthony Robbins Companies. And I am so excited to have her here. She's a fascinating person. She's got a bullshit meter that's off the charts. And that's all I really need to say. Stand by. Here we go. You are listening to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast, a show devoted to uncovering the systems and the secrets that set the best apart, where you learn how to take your coaching clients to the next level, while you grow the coaching practice of your dreams. So sit back and relax, or sit up and get excited. Either way, you might want to pay attention. This could be important. Deborah, it is so nice to see you again. Hey, Doug, before we start, congratulations on all your podcasts and you're going over 100 and all that good stuff. That's really impressive. I'm I'm impressed anyway. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) I believe this is uh, number 118. I hope that means something very important numerologically, but um, we'll make it up that it does. Yes. <laughs> very, very important. Deborah, so nice to see you. It's been a long time. Where where are you? I am in Westlake Village, California, which is about halfway between LA and Santa Barbara. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. So north of LA. Yes. Nice. Very cool. My brother went to school in Santa Barbara. It's beautiful up there. I lived in Santa Barbara before I came down here. And my daughter decided to finally, finally start having children. <laughs> so I followed behind them. And that's, right. that's what brought me here. Cool. How now many children does she have? Three. Three now. Oh, you're a grandmother. Congratulations. I'm definitely a grandma. They call me Gigi. That I made up, which stands for great grandmother, like awesome grandmother. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm Gigi. <laughs> that's cool. You know, my, my brother recently um, became a grandfather and he and his wife made up their names that they wanted to be called by the, by the kid. And um, for some reason, my, my sister-in-law wanted to be, is being called Lolly. Mm-hmm. Lolly that, I've heard that one. You have heard that one? And, heard she wanted, that one. and she wanted my brother to be called Pop so they could be Lollipop. I hadn't heard it that way before. Yeah, he didn't want that. So he's just, I think he's grandfather or something. (laughs) Anyway, I digress. Let's. (laughs) So you probably are aware that this is called the Essential Coaching Skills. And that was important that we talk about names for grandparents in your coaching. Yes, it's an essential coaching skill, really. (laughs) If anyone wants to do well at coaching, they should make sure they know what their name is. Yes. Yeah. Something like that. Something or, like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we could get into a real thing, you and I, I can tell. We could indeed. But okay. let's 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 avoid that. Okay. Let's do that. Let's <laughs> and instead. Um, but so Essential Coaching Skills Podcast is about, you know, what skills does a person who is out there as a coach or wanting to be a coach perhaps, um, what's essential for them to know in order to do it well? And also, if possible, we could also get into what's essential for um, that said person to then make a living as a coach. You know, how do they do that? Because it's it's a different question and a different answer, but really essential for somebody to know if they want to make a living. How do you how do you do that? So that's kind of the basic theme of this broadcast. And yet, I don't care. I haven't seen you in such a long time, and people. People want to know, I think, I, I, they want to know your story because it's a fascinating story. You are now a master platinum partner coach for Anthony Robbins Coaching, which is probably as good as it gets, right, in that in that field of, for Anthony Robbins Coaching, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I met you many years ago when Tony was oh, just, he was a kid. And... and um, Literally, we, we if we had 300 people at a seminar, it was like, wow, there are so many people here. And yet now it's like, that's that's the people waiting in line for the restroom. I mean, that's that's nothing what he's got. That is the number way. <laughs> I thought of it that way, but that's true. And now that they, because of 
everything that happened with COVID and I've gone virtual doing virtual events, which are phenomenal. Um, he's having you know, 30, 40, 50,000 people from all over the world. Yeah. It's so amazing. Yeah. I, I love it. I'm so excited about that because yeah. his ability to reach a, a much greater, larger number of people um, has it's exponentially grown. Yes, for sure. Yeah. So tell me about you. How did you get involved with Tony? Well, the very, very, very first time I ever heard Tony Robbins, I was watching TV and he was going to be doing a firewalk. This was in 1986. He was going to be doing a firewalk in Los Angeles. And it was on a show called Eye on LA. And I just turned it off. I went, oh, good grief. You know, <laughs> whatever. Who is that? At least I, this is what I said. At least that guy's making money. Those people are just stupid. That are or paying money to go. They're paying money. Would you and, believe um, paying money my brother, I was a hairstylist in Upland, California, which is kind of out in the boons a little bit. Mm -hmm. And my brother was a um, CEO of a company in Beverly Hills and lived in Bel Air and was, you know, he's seven years older than me and he was all super successful. And he calls me on Tuesday after I'd seen that and he goes, Guess what I did this weekend? And I'm like, What? He goes, I went and did a firewalk. And I went, Oh, please, you know. Really, they got you. One of those kind of things. Yeah. And um, and I was studying. I had gone back to. I had gone to college. I didn't graduate from high school, but when I was thirty, I decided to go to college. And I lied and said I'd graduate. And they let me in to a community college. And I was studying organizational communication, hmm. which is just I don't know. It just seemed like something to do. And I had all I'd done my pre work, and I was going into organizational communication. And I'd just taken a couple of classes. And my brother's like, if you want to learn the state of the art communication, you need to go to this event, you know, that whole thing. Right? Was he talking like that already? He was talking like that. Yeah, he really was. Yeah. And so I finally went, well, I'll pick that. And so he wrote the name of the book down, Unlimited Power, which was Tony's first book. And I went, I, I went and bought the book and I, I read the foreword and I went, I need to learn this. This is way better than what I'm learning at college. Cool. I want to know this. Wow. And really? so I signed up for the firework seminar, you know, four day program, and it cost more than pretty much anything I'd spent money on, except for maybe my car. I don't even think I'd ever spent that much on a sofa or anything else. And uh, I was really intrigued. And I went back and kept doing events. And, and remember certification? I do remember. Yeah. It well. well, the whole time I was at certification, I just kept going, that man needs a decent haircut. <laughs> I, I need I need to somehow help him. It's, you know? it's so interesting the different filters we bring to things. Oh my gosh, the whole time, the whole time I was thinking it, and I was like, I, and I wasn't like thinking I want to know Tony Robbins or anything like that. I was really sincerely thinking I need to help this poor guy with this bad haircut. This and was a, was a, so I eventually I talked him into letting me cut his hair. You know, it went it went on for a little while. And um, when I went to cut his hair, he made me come and watch someone else cut his hair so that I would cut it exactly the same way. But that was not the point. The point right, was to change exactly. it. I cut his hair for about eight years. He never would let me change it. That's hilarious. I cut it every two weeks exactly the same, and it drove me crazy. Just drove me crazy. <laughs> so finally, I just I ended up coming in to work as the – the, the first job I had at the company uh, was the director of training. So it was when I first started being the director of training and I was on the executive team and everything. And uh, he called me one day wanting a haircut. And I was like, I don't have time for you. I, I have a job. <laughs> you know. Besides, you need to change your hairstyle. <laughs> and I'm sick of it. And so then and now he still blames me. He goes, Deborah's the one who used to cut my hair that way. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. He does really and truly oh. blame me for that. But I just I just was following the main thing I would say back when I remit when I go back is the first real honest to goodness conversation I had with Tony. He said, What are your goals? And I said, Oh, you do not want to hear my answer. And he goes, Yes, I do. I definitely want to hear your answer. And I said, I don't really have goals. I said, I set little short term things in front of me to move me forward. I said, but mostly what I do is anytime I'm at a fork in the road or a juncture, I just let myself be guided to what's right for me. 
And he said, me too. And I said in my head, bullshit, <laughs> you know, because he was Mr. Goals. And uh, but that's really what I did back then. And, and, and then the last thing I said to him after that is I said, one of my main reasons for not having goals is that I feel like I'm supposed to be I'm going to be doing something bigger or different than what I know now. And I feel like any goals I would set would limit me because I just have this sense that there's something happening and something that's supposed to happen. And my mind and how I look at things is too small. Hmm. So I just leave it open. Wow, that's really interesting. And I realized that that was really what was my secret sauce back then, because I didn't know more than that. I didn't, you know, so, and I'm kind of in, you know, I'm going to be 70 in January. No and way. I'm coming back full circle to really living more that way than the place in the middle where I got real focused in on, you know, me taking charge. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. You are a master pl platinum partner coach for Tony Robbins organization. Mm -hmm. What do you ask people about goals? I mean, do you have people set goals? I mean, we do. You know what I try to do as a coach is see where people are and take them from where they are forward. Okay. So some people are in total victim mode and just getting them you know, to realize they do have some control. They do have some ability to direct their, their life and their focus and, and get somewhere just starting there. And then other people I have that are very goal driven and that serves them right now. That's where they are. And if I'm trying to take them out of that, um, that just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Right. So I stay with that. And then I have other clients that, have accomplished so much already and they kind of get to a point like, well, what else, what else? And I'm finding that taking them more into the, the more, I don't know, higher consciousness, spiritual realm mm -hmm. is opening things up for them and getting them re-engaged in a whole new way. So it depends on where someone is. So I think one of the essential things is to be present with where someone is and, and what they're open to, you know, how do I help support them in moving forward? But I'm not trying to take them from here to there just because I know that stuff. It'd be like, I'm not trying to take somebody in fifth grade into PhD stuff. Right, right. Got it. So that's very interesting. And, and I think it brings us to that symbol that's behind you on the wall there. Um, could you just... Describe what that is and, and how that. Well, I, met, I was thinking of for my own coaching because I do my own coaching and, and workshops as well uh, outside of Robinson. And I was thinking, I heard a word that I really like called upgrowth. Okay. And I don't know. And it's an actual word in the dictionary, which I thought it was a made up word, but it's an actual word. No, it's an actual word. I know that word. Yeah. yeah. And I like that word, you know, the just the the forward motion the upgrowth and so i was just messing around and that was a symbol i came up with to mm. to um represent that cool so i know you don't operate out of the goal system but um is that some the direction that you're moving into to, to sort of that more spiritual bent i don't it for me personally yes i am okay and and for some uh, some clients, yes, I am, who are people who kind of that's more appealing to them or that's what they're feeling like they want something different than what they've been doing. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, Tony is very, very spiritual as well. It's just that when he's working with a lot, a lot of people, he's going for uh, mostly know what you want, you know, make your plan, go after it. But he has a very strong spiritual bent as well. And I know that for himself, he's definitely exploring and doing a lot of things in that area. And uh, I, I saw Oprah interviewed about three years ago. And the person said, so Oprah, what are your goals? And she goes, I don't have any goals. And he goes, oh, come on, you're Oprah. Of course you have goals. Because Oprah's been teaching goals forever as well, yeah. right? Yeah. And, um, and she said, I'm practicing leaning into the dream life has for me. Hmm. And, and I think it is a, just a place beyond 
these like, you know, goals. And at the same time, I don't want to minimize the value and importance of those because had I not start started to set some goals, I'm not sure, you know, I don't know. It's it's a it's a blend, it's a mix. It's I think being open, setting goals as long as you're not so attached to them that you miss other important information or guidance. Right. Do you remember were you there when Kathy Buckley did her performances at certification? Oh yeah. I mean, actually I know someone who's working on a on a a movie for her to create her life into a movie. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Just um, yeah, I love Kathy. She was um just for the people that don't know who she is for our listeners at home, um, she's a comedian and who's deaf. And she is in this amazing story. And, she, and Tony Robbins often brought comedians into the certification courses because they were very intense things. They were like 15 days. And if you've ever been to a Robbins event, you know, it's like morning. <laughs> it's not an eight hour day. No, it is. It's an eight hour morning. And then you have lunch. <laughs> and then there's an eight hour afternoon. Yeah. And then there's eight hour evening. It's like, it's just really crazy. Um, so it's an intense, intense time. And so he would, and it'd be 14, 15 days of NLP, you know, or soon to be NAC and then other things. But nevertheless, at the time, um, he would break it up halfway through or so, 10 days in, he would he'd bring a comedian in and have, we just have a party night kind of thing. And um, <clears throat> very often the amazing comedians, I mean, I think he had uh, Richard Jenny at one of them. He had, uh, uh, I think, one of the first ones. I not even. I don't think I was there. I wasn't there. It was Roseanne Barr was the first one he had. Oh wow! I was there. No, I was. That was before our time. But um, but yeah, Kathy Bucky was one of the comedians that, he, that came, and then then people started asking her questions. She just a little open mic thing, and suddenly she started telling her story, her life story, and it was gripping. It was absolutely gripping. And I I think she is literally one of the best storytellers I've ever I have, I, I have never seen anyone who could do what she could do to this day, yeah. which is that she could make you laugh to your stomach hurt and you're crying. And that fast she could turn you into actual crying. Actual crying. Like like and then turn you yeah. back to laughing again. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. But what's also cool about her storytelling is that she she was crying herself, but she never lost a beat. She was she never missed a, a, a syllable. She was telling the story beautifully, and she's I've heard her tell it many times, and it's always a little bit different. She's like you know telling the story of her life, and it's amazing, amazing story. Well, she has a book, just in case anybody's interested. What is it? I think I I hope I'm getting the title right, but I believe it is. If you could if you could hear what I see. Or it's either if you can hear what I see or if you can see what I hear. I'm not sure which, but um, I'll have to look it up. Okay. But, okay. Kathy Buckley. but the reason I brought her up is because she had a, within that story, once she said the, the quote basically is basically, if you want to, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah. and she's still living that, you know, she's, she's an amazing, amazing person. And there's a there's a lot of different there are a lot of different people that are talking about this sort of thing and what's been interesting for me is that having well I've been coaching now for about 17 years and before that I was running around the world and um, doing events with Robbins and all of that and then I left for a while and ran off to Argentina for three years and danced tango and. Um, what 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 <laughs> you did what <laughs> you went you did what now you went to Argentina and danced tango for three years uh -huh. could you could you tell me a little bit more about that well I started I I I finally left my job at Robbins as the general manager before what I do now but I went in as the director of training and then I became the general sales manager, and then I became the general manager of all the events, and I was the head trainer, and da 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 right? And I was just like, I don't like my job. I really don't like this job. I don't want to do this. I don't know how I got into this anyway. And um, so I left, and I did a lot of things, you know, out on my own, did business consulting and that kind of thing. And But the day after I left, I said, I've always wanted partner dance. 
And I saw this ad in the paper that was for Argentine tango. And I didn't even really know what that was, but I said, I'll go try that. So I go to this lesson uh, in, in San Diego. I was living in San Diego. And I thought, well, this is kind of an interesting thing. So I walk up to this woman. I mean, I'm in pure Robin's mode, right? So I walk up to this woman that was teaching it. And I said, so how long is it going to take me to learn this dance? <laughs> <laughs> and she she pats me. She like soothes me, you know. She pats right. me on the arm. And she goes, oh, honey, a lifetime. Uh -huh. And I went, oh, and I literally felt myself breathe. Huh. You know? And I just went, wow. That sounds cool. And um, anyway, I started getting into tango and I just, I, so I took a trip and I stayed for 10 days and then I really liked it. And then I went back a couple of times and I went back for two weeks and da, 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 da. So I had moved to New York and I was, um, had a consulting project there. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, before I go back to California, I'm going to go do six months in Argentina, work on my Spanish and dance tango. And I ended up staying three years go figure yeah. and um and it was just i danced every day every day every night wow. um, and it was it was wild it was an amazing experience but when i was going to come back i was like i don't want to travel anymore and that and robin's at that point had started a coaching department mm -hmm. so i was like i'll do that when i can just do it from home and so that's what i've been doing for the last 17 years wow and isn't there a, a factor that when you came back, they said, well, okay, you, but you have to start at the bottom rung kind of thing. Well, that was really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had, I had personally, cause we have, we have the unleash the power within four day program. We have that also as a video based program that for a period of time, um, Tony had a, a franchise. And so I literally delivered about 50 of those. Um, and so when I wanted to come back, because I didn't, they had uh, invited me to come originally when they started coaching department, mm -hmm. but I was leaving for Argentina and I was like, nah. So when I came back, they went, well, we'll interview you to see if you'll be, a, you can be a coach. <laughs> I was like, okay. okay. <laughs> My ego was having some serious issues. Um, and so then I interviewed and I said, okay, you've been accepted into the program, into the training program. The training program. We're going to teach you how to. So, yeah. So you have to come to a five-day training and then you have to do the five, the four-day Unleash the Power Within program. And then we'll decide whether or not we can accept you into coaching. And I was like, I mean, seriously, I had a really hard time with that yeah. <laughs> because it was a new team and they had started it, you know, they built up the coaching department, but, but, you know, I think it was great that I did that because the truth is, is that I really had stepped out of it. Mm -hmm. It was a really good you know, bringing me back in and re-engaging me and getting me out of my head and my ego and all of that crap that I was doing. So I, just, I fully engaged. I stayed open. I did the event yeah. like it was the first time I'd ever done it. I Good got so much out of it. Good for you. It was beautiful. I'm yeah. really glad they did it. That's really great. And, and it reminds me of so many stories. One of that just popped into my brain is um, Jack Nicholas would always go back every year. He was, I don't know if, you know who he is. I think you probably do. He's the greatest golfer ever. He has mm -hmm. won more Masters than anybody, even more than Tiger. Um, or though Tiger may not be finished yet, but nevertheless, so far he's got he's one of the more more than anybody. He would go back to his teenage coach. You know, when he was a teenager, not that his coach was a teenager, but when he, he would go back to the guy <laughs> that taught him how to play golf uh -huh. every year, go back to Ohio and say, Jack. His teacher's name was also Jack. Jack. Teach me how to play. I don't know how to play golf. Teach me how to play golf. They, they, there's a there's a book called um, Mastery by George Leonard. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And he talks about the beginner mind. Exactly. And he gives that example of this person who had a fifth degree black belt or whatever in his yeah. discipline, and he came to this to this program with the beginner's mind and all the other because they all were masters at whatever they did, and yeah. the rest of them were like showing how they could how good they were and what they could do. And and in after four or five days of that program, he blew everybody out of the water and they thought he was a beginner because he took on the beginner's mind. And that's I mean, that I, I think we have to. 
be conscious and aware to do that because the temptation, I'll speak for myself, my temptation is mm -hmm. to go into I know it. Sure. And I think as a coach, one of the most essential skills is your own open mind. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And just last time I saw you, I believe, was in New York when you were living there and you did the you were doing trainings for a hospital, right? In Queens or something? There a lot of trainings for hospital. I used to call that program the breakthrough experience. Right. I do the board yeah. breaking with that. Yeah, exactly. I've taken over like 5,000 people through board breaking right. over the years. And the reason I bring this up is because um, I was around when board breaking started in the Robbins room. In fact, I even have a photo of me with the guy that taught Tony how to do it back in like 1987 or whatever. Uh -huh. And so I'm holding, I'm breaking through the board. He's holding the board from, it's a pretty cool picture actually. But, um, but I've also done it for high school seniors. I've for the third, for 30 years, I did a high school um, camp, leadership camp, where I brought cool. between 100 and 150 kids each summer through a, board breaking, you know, break, break through your fears mm -hmm. experience. It's very, very cool. It's called the um, RILA, the Rotary Youth Leadership Award. Oh, good for you. Yeah, it's very cool. But when I saw you do it in Queens that time, you, you invited me to come to one of your presentations. I said, holy shit, this is the way it's done. Oh my <laughs> God. It's what was different? What did you mean? What does that mean? You were, well, you're you're the epitome of congruence. I mean, you, you brought people through this thing, and you were just certain. You had this certainty. It's you can do this, and and people were like, yes, I can because she said so. You know, it was well, that really is a big part of it. And again, I would come back to essential coaching skills: is that you have to believe in people. Mm, yeah, you have to believe in them, and get out of your own. This is part of what I'm working on on a more spiritual level. Is like. No, I wasn't even still realizing how much of my own stuff. Now, in coaching, I think in coaching, I was doing a really pretty good job. And in those those things of being in a flow energy, mm -hmm. just not being not me being in the way and my thoughts and all that kind of thing, but really, you know, just being with people. Um, but what's recently occurred, and I don't know if you're, I think you might not had planned to get this info. <laughs> <laughs> um, since I came back from Argentina, I just basically took a break from relationships. I was like, you know what? I need to just like be in my life. And so I haven't dated or been in, I, I was married three times. I got married the third time I was 22 or 23 years old. This is yet another example where I've had to stop you from going right past something. <laughs> Your third marriage was when you were 23 years old? When was your first marriage? 16. <laughs> what? 16, the summer between 10th and 11th grade. And I was not pregnant, by the way. Everybody, of course, was waiting to see me be pregnant, but I was not pregnant. Um, that's that's different. That's unusual. It was, well, I lived in Mississippi. I grew up in Mississippi. My oh. parents got a divorce and we moved to, my mother and I came to California that summer. And I, I was dating somebody who was 20. I was 16 when he was 20 in Mississippi. And I loved his family so much. And I really wasn't that thrilled with mine. So um, I was in California. It was the height of the, you know, I mean, drugs and rock and roll and, and everybody I was meeting. Also known as the good old days, yes. The good old days sometimes <laughs> called. And, um, and my, my boyfriend, little brother had muscular dystrophy and he died. He was 14. Mm -hmm. And so when I found that out, I was like, I'm going back for the funeral. And my, and my mother and everybody said, no. And I said, you know, either get me a plane ticket or I'm going to hitchhike. And they knew my personality. So they went, she, she means that. So better get her the ticket. And I got back there and I was just in with my family. And I was like, I don't want to leave. I don't want to go back to California. Mm -hmm. So I told my boyfriend we were getting married and um, so I did. Cool. And then so you entered junior year as a married junior, junior year. I was married. Wow. Yeah. And you continued through high school as a married. I didn't finish. I in the summer, I had one class that I could have taken in summer to graduate. And I was like, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and by that point, I was going to have I was pregnant because we've been married for a little over a year at that point. And I just oh. gotten pregnant. 
and he was in the service. He was in the army because that was during Vietnam and all that. Okay. And um, he was stationed and I wanted to go where he was and I didn't want to, you know, be bothered with school. So. Right. So okay. I didn't do it. And then we were together for two years and then, um, you know, it was a typical teenage romance, but we just happened to be married. Right. And uh, when we broke up, I went back out to California and I met the like, oh my gosh, you know, like the total opposite type of person, California writer, da, da, da. Turned out he was a clinically diagnosed pathological liar, which I didn't find that out until after we were married and I was pregnant again. So now I'm on my second marriage. And um, that was a really, that was a hard one. That was the first time I ever understood how people could stay in an abusive relationship because mm. I, didn't, I just couldn't understand how anybody could ever do that. So my empathy for that grew human, you know, it's, yeah. it's my empathy for that has helped me help people. Yeah. Um, and then I, I finally, finally got up enough, whatever, you know, just courage to, to break that off. And um, there was my, I, there was somebody I'd known since I was a kid and he was in California and uh and I thought, well, I'm 19. I think at the time I was 20, 21. And I was like, nobody will ever love me again. You know, um, I'm, you know, I'm damaged goods. Yes. Well, yeah, clearly. I'm, I'm damaged goods. I have been married twice. I have two kids. Nobody's good. And he knew me through all of that. And uh, I thought that was a really safe bet. You know, so I married him at 22 or 20. I don't know. I, I think I was 22. Might have been 21. Gosh, only knows. And um, and uh, I was with him for 10 years. And then I sat there one day and I went, I have just jumped out of the frying pan and into the fire my whole life. And uh, I started really thinking about what do I actually want? You know, yeah. what's important to me? And I went to a therapist because I was trying to decide to get the third divorce. And it was just, you know, that was just such a big because I wasn't angry. I wasn't. I wasn't mm -hmm. anything. I just wanted to like think about what I wanted. And um, I went to a therapist for a year with one outcome, which was to make a decision. And at the end of the year, she said, yeah, you just gonna have to make a decision. I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> so I, I was, I was on my way home. Have you ever heard Tony talk about the rocking chair test? Mm -hmm. Well, he got that from me. Oh no! Seriously, yeah, that's where it came from. No, and, no. Um, Tell that story real quick as a little adjunct. Well, so so I I came home and I thought I need a different perspective. I still need to make a decision. And I, there was a rocking chair sitting in my living room for when I the little, when the kids were little and they were older now. They were in their you know ten and twelve or thirteen whatever. And so I I sat in the rocking chair and I literally started at my toes. And I worked myself all the way up my body and I pretended or did an improv exercise or whatever you want to call it, that I was 95 and I was going to die in 30 minutes. And it was totally okay. It was like just time. Mm -hmm. So it didn't freak me out or anything. And so I, I got myself really old and I was rocking and I and I asked myself the question, what do I want to be feeling? Not what do I want people to write on my gravestone and all that mm -hmm. stuff, right? What do I want to be feeling in these moments right before I go, right before I die? Hmm. And the first thing that popped in my head is I want to feel the way I feel at the end of my favorite ride at Disneyland, which back then they called those e-ticket rides because mm -hmm. you, you, you got tickets and they were the best rides in the park. And there were five of them. And, and I got, I was like, I got so excited. Like, could I actually ever feel that way? Hmm. You know, and, and it popped me out of my thing I'd done. So I went back and did it again. And, and I asked the same question. And what popped in my head the second time was, I know what I don't want to be feeling. I don't want to be regretting. Like I, the worst thing I could think of at that moment would be a wish I should have, could have, what if. Yeah. And so then I took those two and, and, and you know, I told you talks about the, your, your two main motivators of pain and pleasure. And I, I realized in that moment, I had created the ultimate version of that for myself. So I took the situation I was in and I ran it through different scenarios to see, did any of them feel like e-ticket? Did any of them create regret? And, um, 
it did. It just became super clear to me. And I made my decision right then. And I haven't ever looked back from that. But I told that story to Tommy. And uh, and then when he came out with personal power tapes, I'm listening to him and he starts talking about it. And I'm like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so I was on my way down to cut his hair. And I, 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 I was like, hey, I was listening to your tapes. And uh, hey, you were talking about the rocking chair test. And he's like, yeah. And I go, you know where you got that? And he went, I went, let me clue you in. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, that's where I got that. Oh, yeah. And it made me really happy, actually. At first, I was a little ticked. I'll be honest, you know, sure. in no, my I've, ego, right? Um, I think it, everyone that I know that's worked for Tony for any length of time has a story just like that. Has a story. And I, now I just including, laugh. Including myself. I've, I've been there. I know that feeling exactly. Like, you know where you got that from, right? <laughs> no. Where? But you know what? I really, having been around him a lot, I really don't think he remembers. Oh, no, I completely agree. He it's, just yeah. assimilates so fast. Yeah. yeah. He assimilates things so fast. And he it's not done out of maliciousness or anything. It's completely just like, he's just thinking, he's just gone. He's already moved on to the next thing, yeah. no, I you agree. know. Um, but what was really beautiful about it, and I'm sure that you felt the same way at times, is that that thing that I experienced and, and, and changed for me because he grabbed it so quickly, thousands and I mean, hundreds of thousands of people have heard the, those tapes. And some of them have, I have a client right now who we were talking about rocking chair and he goes, the rocking chair test that I heard on the personal power tapes changed the, my life with my wife. And I went, Hey, your coach created that. Right. <laughs> but it's it's beautiful when something gets picked up and 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 we're able to have something that we either either we came up with or maybe we even got it from somebody else. Yeah, no doubt. And we get to share it and put it out there in the world. But yeah, so anyway, I'm not even sure. Oh, the th three marriages and all that stuff. That's where we were. Yeah, and I I just would just like to point out um, how spiritual you are. I noticed before you said, uh, "Gosh, only knows how." <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, kind of tamper, tamper it, but Gosh, um, the heck. it's the plan part, going back to, you know, tell God your plan and yeah. like laugh, right? And the, the thing that's really come back full circle to me is that I started thinking I knew how to direct my life, right? right? And if I had been in that mode and not opened myself up to something bigger in the early days, there's no way I would have done all the things that I've done. No way. Cause I would have not thought of that. I would not no. have set that goal. I do though think that sometimes if you do set these goals in front of you, just to keep you moving forward and you stay really open, not like grabby and attached to those goals, but open as you're moving along, you see things that you didn't see before. Mm -hmm. If you're not grabby and, and attached, you see those things and that's where you can still be like, there's a, a I believe a way to blend those two. And, um, but I've come back full circle for myself because what it started happening, Doug is, you know, at this particular stage in my life and everything, I've done everything I wanted to do. I mean, really like I've done everything I want to do and more and more and more. And um, I was starting to get in this feeling of like, what, what else? Mm. And when I would try to make up pictures or make up goals for, you know, to, to compel myself forward, I was feeling like they just weren't, they didn't feel compelling. And um, I got, I, I then, oh, I know what I started to say is that, so after 17 years of not dating, mm -hmm. I decided, you know what? I'm either this year, I'm either going to have a boyfriend or I'm getting another dog. That's all there is to it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to put myself out there again because what I would do is about every three or four years, I'd, I'd go on match or one of those and I'd date like two people and go, eh, 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 you know? And so I put this out there and I met somebody right away, like within two days that I really liked. 
And I mean, all my stuff started coming up. Like, what do you mean? What stuff came up? Everything that could possibly come up related to relationships and and all my stories and all my reasons not to and what's wrong with them and da 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 you know and and I recognized it and I went if there's ever going to be a chance for me to be in a relationship I'm going to have to deal with this stuff and I had read a book about four years ago called the Surrender Experiment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Singer. He has three books. One is called The Untethered Soul. That was his first one. Then The Surrender Experiment. And now he has a, a, the latest book is called Living Untethered. And I thought, I better check. I better get back to The Surrender Experiment. So I read the new book, The Living Untethered book, or listened to it. And I have now listened to that three times in the last three months. And um, and then I also, have you ever heard of Ho'oponopono? The ancient Hawaiian, oh, you went small. Uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> Thank you. I went to, I, I, Tony Robbins talks about it, but I really wanted, I thought I want to dig in deeper to that. So I really went and started studying Ho'oponopono. And between the two, the stuff I was learning with Michael Singer and Ho'oponopono, I literally was using it every single solitary day because both of them have an element of recognizing when you're getting triggered, recognizing when your energy flow is being disturbed. Um, And Michael Singer talks about, about surrendering resistance. And when you surrender resistance, now you're available and open for spiritual, for guidance, for your higher consciousness, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, but you can't really feel that when you're in the, when you're blocked. And so he calls them blockages. There's a Sanskrit word called samskaras that he uses, but that you notice it and, and you, you release whatever it is and you don't even have to know what it is. You just know something is happening that's blocking you or that you're being triggered. And so I was using that. And then I went and studied, really delved into Ho'oponopono and, um, and start practicing he has a different approach, but it's the same concept, which is that you're removing the blocks to guidance, not just to feel better, not just because, you know, but to, so that you have more of a flow going. And, um, and because I was getting triggered like gazillion times a day, gazillion, by the way, is more than a million. Um, I was getting triggered a lot. And so I just kept doing this over and over and over again. And it's been having this real impact for me. So I just started sharing it with a few of my clients, not everybody, just people I thought would be open to that. They were at a certain point in their life. And I am not exaggerating when I say that people are coming back and I'm experiencing it too with things that feel so in flow. And so, I mean, almost miraculous, you know, I know that's a strange word, but kind of like that, like what? And just this kind of flow thing that's happening is um, super exciting. So I just felt like I need to talk about this with more people. So that's why I'm doing my little workshop that's coming up, a virtual workshop. Um, And um, that I'm calling Go Beyond. And it's just like whatever's gotten you where you are, if you're ready for something else and you're open to something a little different and more more in the the spiritual realm, that's I'm you know I'm bringing that more to into play. Got it. uh, it's always been there. It's just I'm it, I don't know. It's just it's mm-hmm. changing dynamics for me. Yeah. Well, you know, gosh gives and gosh takes away. So um, <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I think we take away. Gosh just gives. <laughs> hey, but um, when is this workshop? You're doing a workshop when? It's going to be four the four Mondays in November at nine. Oh. Um, wow. At nine o'clock Pacific time, so noon your time. Nine o'clock at night. For one hour. So it'll be four four parts, four sessions. What nine o'clock in the morning or nine o'clock at night? Nine o'clock in the morning. Okay. So or noon noon Eastern. Noon Eastern. Got it. Yeah. And uh and you know, we can give them the website if they want sure. to go. Absolutely. We'll put it in the, the information below the, mm-hmm. the video below. I'm not sure how many essential skills I've given today though. Well, I think one of the main essential skills that you've 
<coughs> excuse me, at least um, mentioned and alluded to, if not, you know, said, do this, is that idea of, of not having an agenda, you know, stepping into what I think Robert Diltz and Stephen Gilligan refer to as the coach state, where you're just kind of open, you know, that beginner's mind. You do that in coaching. You, you When you go into a coaching session with somebody, you don't have an agenda for them. You don't say, okay, this is, I'm going to put them through my coaching program and move them out through this other end to become another little, you know, graduate of the program. That You're open to what you're hearing, what you're getting from them. And so you're in that no no mind state that, you know, the beginner's mind state is just um, taking it in and then finding and being um, ability to have that flow to go to where, help them get what they need in order to get to where they want to go. I think it's also really essential. One of the essential skills you you alluded to and mentioned is that the idea of having a, a, a positive goal to aim towards and also know why you don't want something at the same time. Very often in, in NLP, we people people come in and say, oh, I don't want to be depressed anymore. And you go, like, well, okay, what do you want? I said, I told you, I don't want to be depressed anymore. I said, well, that's what you don't want, but what do you want? It's just, it, I think it's important to have both. I don't want to say it's not important to know what you don't want. I think it's important to know what you don't want. And what you do want. Yeah. Right? Both yeah. of those things are, are, I think, really important in, in anything. Yeah. So, well, yeah. and, and just on that, the coming back to the thing with the with from a coaching standpoint, I've also been really utilizing what I'm learning to release these, you know, <laughs> these blocks and, and triggers I've been getting uh, with this context <laughs> relationship. But I've been using it before I talk to clients, and and I started with just using it before I talked to a client. I was kind of struggling internally with. Mm -hmm. And um, the first time I did it, I have a client that I've coached for a really long time, and and I really wanted to support that person, and uh, but and I was always trying with her, um, and I started doing some of this work, and I just felt just shut up. I mean, I, like it didn't even come as a telling me. It just is. It's what I just did. And I don't know any other way to say it because I was out of my own way. And I just didn't say anything for really like 25 minutes. I didn't say anything. And after 25 minutes, she didn't even notice I wasn't saying anything. <laughs> Which maybe the clues to how often. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then it was just like, wow, I need to do something about this. Will you help me? Nice. And I went, wow. So I I was just, I didn't realize how I, I thought I came to coaching with an open mind a lot. I thought, and, and I feel flow a lot when I'm coaching. Mm -hmm. But I realized that there were some people that that wasn't the case with. And now I'm not just doing that with a client that I feel like I'm feeling challenged with. Now I'm doing that with every client before, like I'm preparing myself. But, but really not just preparing myself in the idea of state, but preparing myself in the, if there is anything that's here and I don't even know what it is, I'm, I'm, I'm asking to have that released. So I am open and I am available uh, for whatever guidance I need to be with this person. Yeah. It's very fun. It's very interesting. Oh, it is indeed. Yeah. And I, I think it's true that people, um, you know, I've, I've studied with a variety of different people over the years. You know, Dave Dobson used to refer to, you know, the higher power thing is basically that's your other than conscious mind. You know, it's not some outside force or whatever. It's it's you. It's your other than conscious mind. But we still have to get our conscious minds out of the way and and stop, you know, putting on the, this, the, the goals from the outside or whatever it might be being that we think should be the right thing or should be right whatever, but just to, to get out of the way and say, yes, I would like to feel this at the end of my life, you know, and what's going to help me to get there and just sort of pose that as a question, then trust the feeling and follow that. And even, even Sigmund Freud basically said the same thing. I have a, a, a greeting card that I actually located recently. I, I thought it was, I put it in this drawer. I was going to show it to you, but I don't, but it's a quote of Sigmund Freud that I'd had over my bulletin board for a lot of times when I actually had an office which I 
I don't have anymore in, <laughs> in my house. But nevertheless, um, the quote basically says something to the gist of for normal run-in-the-mill daily activities, he uses his rational mind to make decisions. You know, should I have a cheese sandwich or should I have a salad? You know, just rational stuff uses mm -hmm. conscious mind. But for the more big, important things in life, he trusts his, you know, call it what you will, his, his intuition. Yeah, what you want to call it, right? Yeah. 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 Trust his feelings, trust his under the, other than conscious. And I thought that was like, holy crap, that's Sigmund Freud saying that, right? Mr. Yeah. Analytical, you know. And even Einstein, I, I remember reading this story about Einstein had a meeting with some guy and he came to the house and the, Einstein's wife's like, I'm sorry, he's busy. Um, you're going to have to wait a bit. And it goes on and on and on for like two hours or something. Finally, the guy goes, what is he doing? She goes, well, he's sitting in the bath playing with bubbles. <laughs> and that's how he would release his conscious mind so he could be available and open to these ideas and thoughts. Yeah. And and yeah. frankly, that's kind of how he came up with like the theory of relativity and stuff. He was just contemplating, what would it be like to be riding on a beam of light? If I, you know, if I, you know, he just asked him and pondered open questions open like that. Questions. Yeah, yeah. and getting out of the way. So I just, and I would say even for me, this, this is a really good example as well, is even though right now I'm excited about this work I'm doing, I'm not bringing that to my clients that are in major goal mode and trying to force that yes. again, because that's not what we're talking about. Yes. Right? Yes. We gotta stay, we gotta stay out of the way. That's so beautiful. I mean, if we can, that's the that's the goal anyway. Fantastic. Hey, Deborah, I am so glad to reconnect with you and have you on this, this podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. You're welcome. We'll to do it. Put in the um, chats, you know, the information for your or the, the course description of it below, um, um, how to get in touch with you for your training is if people want to get in touch with you just in general is there a way for them to do that do you have a i mean the easiest thing is my website it's just deborah i mean deborahrussell.com is my website um, and, and you can send me a message that way or anything like that my email is deborah at deborahrussell.com so you're always yep. welcome to email me simple enough yeah beautiful and we did a pretty good job of not just going off and being crazy people Although I am a crazy person and I do <laughs> I was tempted a few times to pursue <laughs> some of those. It would have been so easy, wouldn't it have done? <laughs> I gave you plenty of material for oh, that. Thank you very much. We'll have you back and we can do that again. Okay. okay. All right. And I just want to, you know, encourage everyone who's out there coaching is like it's such a it's such a beautiful thing to be able to make that our living, make that what we do in life. Yeah. Um I, I just I think we're very lucky to to be able to have that be how we make our, our living. It's true. So true. Thank yeah. you. All right. Good. See you. Uh, bye, everybody. <laughs> this has been the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. Thank you for being here. It's a pleasure seeing you again. Hope to see you again real soon. Come back next week when we have another gripping and exciting episode of the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. And if you want to, you can find out more about us, each and every one of us, at EssentialCoachingSkills.com. Thanks.